Jody B beats right here. He's got Jody B beats. What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome back to T Bomb, this business of music right here from the Great Northwest. I'm here with my boy and my mensch, Jody B. What's up, Jody Hi. B? How you doing today? Hi. And a very special guest, um, Dave Place is in the house. Mr. Place. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? Dave. It's going well, man. Dave's what I like to call a lifer, man. This motherfucker's been around for a minute. Um, the Deception fi- Fires, right? Yeah, Fires. Dude, and I'm going to save my personal favorite for the last, Hobosexual. Oh, my God, <laughs> I'm excited, dude. I'm totally excited. So Dave and I are kind of our mamata. This is weird. I don't know if I told you the story, Jody, but we're same Little school. We would you call it middle school or little school. I guess it's um. I guess it would be middle school. Selby Lane. Yeah. Selby Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Middle, middle school. So, um, I actually got kicked out of that school. <laughs> surprising no one. I don't know if I told you that, but um. You didn't have to tell me that. I already know. So we have a weird way of kind of knowing each other and um, like a weird with the separation thing. And I'll tell the story real quick, and then we'll just talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, but Marco Collins was playing homosexual at at. Chop suey, uh-huh. and I walked up, and I'm like, "What the fuck, dude? This is blowing <laughs> my mind, man!" And um, he's like, "Yeah, dude, it's a local band, homosexual." I'm like, "Oh my god, I gotta go get some of this shit." And so uh, he he played some more. I told him to play some more, and um, I was totally digging on it. And um, not long after, I was standing out front, and Dave came out. I had a little swerve on. He's out there smoking. He was saying something, and I, something related to me. And I started talking to him. I think it was about music. And he said, "Oh yeah, I'm in, I'm in this band called Homosexual with bass player." I'm like, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" And I kind of fanboyed <laughs> out a little bit on him. And uh, and we started bullshit. And then we realized. And then we started. I don't know how like Redwood City came into the topic, but I, th- I think it's just like uh, you know, how'd you get here? How long you been here? That must from be from where? Yeah. Natural progression. Absolutely. We call that chit chat in the industry. Chit chatting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bullshitting, chit chatting. Shit. Yeah. Turns out he went to Selby Lane. I think one year before me. That's right. Yeah. I didn't last long either. I was, my family was in a transient phase right then, so mm-hmm. uh, we were just kind of rolling around. And I, um, I have uh, really great memories of you know just being the outcast kid there, um, just because you know I changed schools a lot and yeah. and um, so. You got like a hip, like my my mom was a hippie. We were like hippie background, seventies hippie. Absolutely. Stoners. Kids that had kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think we have like very, um, like our lives are kind of the same going all the way. We're a little bit old. I'm a little bit older than you, but not much. And we have a, yeah, we went with the same same route. Um, so you're in the Bay Area. You're a kid. You go. You went to Woodside. I went to Woodside High. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you started rocking out. When what happened? What what happened? What was the explosion for you? Where, well, let's see. I guess um, the musical explosion. The musical explosion happened pretty organically in high school. I uh, had moved uh, from Santa Rosa. Dude. Um Yeah. For my great. Gatati. I went to uh, Rancho Gatati. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up in Healdsburg, and okay. then um, uh, after junior high, I went to Cardinal Newman, mm-hmm. which was. Uh, an all boys Catholic high school uh, adjacent to the all girls Catholic high school mm, there. Sweet. So uh, we had co-ed lunches and stuff. But um, I was really into music right right around then, and uh, had heard Motley Crue and mm-hmm. Rat, and mm-hmm. um, was uh, had been a big concert goer as a youth. My dad would uh, take my brother and I to concerts because he wanted to go, and you know if he was if he had us, he'd have to take us. So. I saw the Eagles in uh, in '79 on the Hotel California tour in wow. Boston, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, I just loved music from the get-go, and so um, uh, in sophomore year of my uh, high school uh, sophomore year, um, I moved in with my dad, mm-hmm. who lived in Redwood City, yeah. and started going to Woodside, and I didn't know anybody, and I couldn't really get into a clique, and um, you know, I didn't really have one. I liked, you know, Duran Duran and uh, Motley Crue and Slayer and Madonna, and yeah. I really didn't fit in with the rockers or, you know, any. So um, I was. You were just, a hybrid kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, struck up a conversation with the dude, and uh, he's all, "Oh, you like Motley Crue?" Huh? And I'm all, "Yeah." And um, you know, my dad just got me a bass, and I'm pretty stoked on it. And um, he's all, "What's this like '84 ish?" This is definitely '84. 85. Yeah, so they're just coming out. Yeah. And so um, he's all, well, you got to meet this guy, Ron Venosa. He's uh, he's the best guitar player in school. Uh-huh. And uh, so he introduced me to Ron, 
and we started hanging out, and he could play all the Van Halen songs. He could play Satch Boogie, you know, front to back. I mean, he was incredible for his age. And so uh, we started hanging out, and uh, my buddy that uh, from uh, up in Northern Cali, he uh, was a drummer, and he started driving down, and um, we just started jamming. So we started playing parties and Origins, Van Halen right songs. Yeah, yeah, started. Uh, Ron had a bunch of uh, original stuff that we started doing, and we just that it kind of started from there. And so you're already like you're in. Um, you played with uh, you played at the Stone, man. Rage of Eden. I played at the Stone. Yeah, that was the club back then. I mean, uh, you know, Metallica went through there. Motley Crue played. Everybody who was anybody played there. Yeah. So the equivalent maybe the Showbox here in the Bay Area. The uh, Stone was. I guess it would have been right on par with the Crocodile or um, where we're at. Yeah, we're, awesome. right, 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 right yeah. where we're sitting, and and, um, and rock candy. Yeah, those, those were equivalent clubs. So shit, shittier than the Showbox. It was. It was actually. It was <laughs> shit, much shittier than the Show. I've never played the Showbox, and um, that's a that's a life goal of mine. Uh-huh. But um, uh-huh. you know, much smaller, and uh, it was really a fabled club. So there was right a, on Broadway. The, yeah. There was Palo Alto Stone, but there was also Stone San Francisco. That's absolutely. That was the Keystone. It's Keystone. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But, Clever but, marketing. Yeah. So we're talking some Bay Area shit here. So. Absolutely, I saw some yeah. fucking insanely incredible shows so there. So what, what, yeah. what was the band? What was the, what was the band It was called band? Rage of Eden. It was, um, geez, I guess it's it's hard to. Describe. I guess it was like a goth rock kind of pop band. Mm-hmm. Which really, um, I mean, from what you just described, you're like, I liked Depeche Mode, Molly Crew, and Madonna. That's, I, I, that's absolutely, what that is. yeah. <laughs> it, it worked. It worked well. Um, yeah. Our singer wasn't wasn't the best, but we had a look and. Um, no one's high school singer is the best. Yeah, he, no. he uh, but he, you know, he had intention, and and uh, everybody in the band, um, you know, was really there for a reason, and mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't just to have a good time. You know, it was always the motivation, like let's play some shows, let's you know. And that's pretty impressive at that. I mean, so early on, you're blowing up, you're playing Stone, you got the yeah. And I mean, that feeling is just like, oh my god. No, yeah, right? we we played this um, Magna Cigarettes Battle of the Bands. That was uh, probably the highlight of that <laughs> of that band. Magnus. Magna Cigarettes, right? <laughs> oh the, my god. The, the, the Strokes famously uh, copped that logo for their logo. Right. And so we played this Battle of the oh, Bands right, there, yeah. and. Um, you know, it was a it was a who's who knew who thing, and we wound up not winning. But uh, I recently saw some footage from that, and um, it was uh, embarrassingly kick-ass. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved. I loved. So you were how, you were how old at this point? Like 16, uh, 17? Yeah, eighteen, so seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Talking like VHS, like just real crackly. It was, yeah, it was it was incredible. And um, oh, you know, I was living in San Francisco there with uh, my drummer, and we had a flat on uh, Divisadero and Turk. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And um, I don't know how we survived. I don't remember ever buying food, or mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I was like, you know, stealing rice from roommates and um, <laughs> just kind of like, I don't even know how we were getting to practice. We practiced in San Rafael, this place called Hun Sound, and uh, anybody who was anybody would practice there. So Metallica, Night Ranger, mm-hmm. Death Angel had a room there, and. Um, so it was nice to be in the scene at that young of an age. So it was like NAFs here. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the so at parallel. this point we're talking like late late eighties. Yeah, late eighties. Yeah. Eighty eight, eighty nine. That was that was a fertile period. It was especially in the Bay Area. Yeah. Well, you know, I had the inclination that um, the, the Bay Area just seemed so uh, had so many bands at the time, and it was hard to break through. And uh, I was thinking about moving down to L.A. Um, and probably should have career wise. Um, but, you know, money and, you know, just strife. I mean, I didn't even have a reverse in my car at that point. I was like, dr- had to park like an hour. In, like in the a city little, of hills. Yes, yeah, it, I had to park yeah. like a mile away from the flat just so I could make sure I pulled yeah. out, uh, you know, straight forward. And uh, I lived with that car for a while until it died. I abandoned that car in San Rafael, sadly. And, um, yeah, then I moved to Santa Cruz shortly after that, and um, ten years. Yeah, yeah, love it down there, man. And um, so uh, as the years roll by, um, you know, I, f- I finally uh, heard some, uh, uh, and I was still going to concerts this entire time. So yeah, um, in 1990, uh, I went to this show at Shoreline Amphitheater, a Gathering of the Tribes. It was uh, Ian Asbury's Lollapalooza. Right. Right. And um, a lot of social awareness, a lot of booths, and um, I was getting high on the lawn, and I heard this voice, and I, like, m- pretty much mid-hit, just, like, what, who, what is that voice? And I looked down, and uh, 
it was Chris Cornell. Yeah. And I'd never heard a voice like that in my life. Right. So I started uh, finding out. <laughs> it's blowing my mind right now. <laughs> starting to find out about, um, you know, this, uh, this Seattle sound. And then shortly after that, my buddy gave me Facelift, Louder Than Love, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Pearl Jam 10, the, all the, on the, the same start, day. The starter yeah. kit. Yeah. Right, the starter kit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was just uh, a, a three years after that, I, I got my shit together and moved to Seattle. Yeah. Because that's where that sound is coming from. You know, Absolutely, it, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alice in Chains. I think the I think the Wood video was probably mm-hmm. like a defining moment for me when I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember exactly where I was sitting and yeah, I was just like you know they're they're you know the footage and the song itself and there was a guy rolling around and you know uh, in this cool car with these sunglasses on who turned out to be Regan Hager who mm-hmm. Regan, uh, yeah. I'm in a couple of bands with now and uh, uh, that's we'll talk th- about Regan yeah later. that's surreal to even think about yeah. uh, that uh, I hang out with the guy in that video so um, I got up here and I uh, didn't know anybody yeah so um, I that it was a couple of years till I found my, my my people up here yeah and so it was tough you know I thought about moving back I c- couldn't get in a band I was staying at uh, Pioneer Square Hotel, which was a shithole mm-hmm. back then in 93. Um, hole in the bed, cockroaches, mm-hmm. hole nine. And then uh, I got a job in a t-shirt shop and um, first paycheck, uh, moved to the Moore Hotel, stayed there for a, for a couple of weeks, and uh, that was a step up. Yeah, not bad. And then uh, I met a girl, and uh, she was a bass player too, and she was moving out of her flat uh, or her uh, basement apartment, I should say, in the U district. And so I moved into her room, uh, and I lived with five girls uh, that were going. I know, horrible, oh, right? Poor thing. <laughs> I lived so with five hard. girls, and then it I was, was rough for you. I was working with all women too, so I didn't like, you know, have a guy friend for a long time. Mm-hmm. It must be so well house trained. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, it's easy when you're, you know, yeah. polite and you yeah. know, yeah. unassuming. I was pretty unassuming yeah. anyway. I thought. And uh, was dating this girl, and she took me to uh, have a beer at this place called Dutch Ned's, and it's mm-hmm. down on uh, across from Occidental Park, right mm-hmm. on the corner there. And uh, incredible bar, and uh, struck I remember, up a conversation I with the bartender there, and turns out that he worked at, and I worked at the same Tower Records. Now Tower Records, we Queen all know Anne. it. Queen Anne. It was um, well, I worked at the one in San Mateo, oh, uh, right okay. by Hillsdale Mall. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And. Um, so he and I had worked together, and he introduced me to a couple of people, and I was off to the races. Yeah, and who was that? Who was the first? Who was the first Seattle band? Uh, that was called Bonita Dream. Bonita Dream. So I used to book the Color Box. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we yeah. Played so there. When I saw you guys put the Color Box down, and then um, I was like, wow, I can't, I can't remember. I just had, I just had suitcases full of demos. So oh yeah. I can't remember if I booked you or not, but and I was only there for about a, about a year or so, and um, I built that stage actually. That was a fantastic venue, man. Great venue. Side side question to. To kind of old school Seattleites. Yeah. Why does everything end in box? There's a lot of box, candle box, color box. There's a lot of box. I'm sure I'm missing some more. There is a lot of box. There was something about that era. Everybody wanted to put box at the end of everything. It's true. So candle box, you you put something down about candle boxes too. What was your affiliation? Uh, A couple years back, um, Fires, uh, we were lucky enough to get to support candle box when they came and played the Neptune. Yeah, and uh, just a fantastic gig, fantastic bunch of guys. Uh, Barty Martin, good friend of mine. Yeah, my roommate for a minute. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, Jefferson Angels band, Static Land. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we opened up the show, and then Static Land, and then uh, Candlebox. It was yeah, it was fantastic. One of the at, at, to that point, one of the biggest crowds that I'd played in front of, and then um, yeah, and that well, was, I'm gonna blow you up a little bit because you. Like I can I can watch people and and I could tell by watching Dave plays that this motherfucker has studied rock and roll like you like <laughs> no here's a bass player like I'm a bass player, boom 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 boom, you dude you jump all over the fucking place you just like this guy gets it on man when he plays bass and it's crazy it's a it's a it's a pleasure to watch man I'm like this guy loves rock and roll and that was does. actually gonna be sort of my my my, my next question because um, I've never seen you play bass right um, and hearing it on record's different. Um, so, like, yeah, there's, there's really, there's, there's two kinds of bassists. There's Adam Clayton from U2, who mm-hmm. just yeah. plays four notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's everybody else. Um, <laughs> right? And I'm not even shitting on Adam Clayton. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's, there's the active, like, like he said, like, student of the bass kind of guys. Yeah. And there's the guys who mm-hmm. are like, I just need to hold down a couple low notes and everything's yeah. going to be fine. And, and you know, uh, and it, 
it wasn't, I mean, you know, when you're growing up, the, for me, the bass player's in the back by his rig, just kind of, you know, doing his thing, and yeah. uh, he's holding it down, and, you know, I always had an affinity for the guitar players, and it wasn't until, you know, hair metal that, you know, the bass player started stepping out in front, mm, and, right, um, mm. you know, that was like, well, I, shit, man, I can't play guitar, it just... I just didn't have that aptitude, yeah. and and a lot of it was just you know, the practice was really hard, and uh, so it was a little daunting. Um, it's a different mindset. It it, it Such absolutely a is. And, I, and I brought it, that up in my you notes. Always, you can always tell when you see your guitarist playing the bass, and you're like, stop, don't do that. Yeah. Stop it. And I, you know, and I'm self-taught too, which <laughs> is another which is another reason. And right. you know, it's cliche to say, well, it's just you know, it's two strings less or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's it's um, you know at as uh, I got older and started getting into other bass players, um, you know, it was just, am I going to be that guy or am I, am I going to have fun with this thing? Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I really wanted to have a good time on stage. And I think that it's super important when you're trying to hold a crowd to, you know, to have a good time. Yeah. I always loved seeing people having the time of their lives yeah. on stage. And, oh, yeah. and, uh, and I, you know, I made it a mission when I was a kid to get as close as I could to the people that I idolized. And um, so the thought process was master this and just be really fucking good at it instead of wanting to play fucking guitar or wanting to do absolutely. And I'm and, and mastering it. Uh, I'm you know, I'm still learning. I uh, I I have never considered myself like a master bass player. If anything, uh, it still just goes back to wanting to have a good time with my buddies and being mm -hmm. in a gang and um, trying to, you know, convey that sense of having a good time, sure. you know, to the people that I'm playing for. But not all bass players can do the style you do, the style of music you do either. I mean, it's just they're not, you know, just not built for it. I think you've, I think you've kind of dialed in, you want to love this, you want to do this, and I need to be in this genre. Absolutely, and, and that's what makes the huge difference. The trifecta of, of what you do with your instrument, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's. I think all with all instruments, all people that play instruments, like you should, you should play this instead because this is not working out for right. you. Now. I was, I love, I love when I see because it really is. It's, it's much less common to see bass players stand out in a band. Yeah, um, you know, in a typical kind of three piece, four piece, five piece rock setup. Yeah, it's and like when I saw, like, I'm trying to think of like the first time I saw a bassist that really blew my mind. Um, other than Les Claypool. Right. Um, it was... Uh, Unbelievable. I saw him at Stone, I think. I was there. He's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but, like, um, you guys ever seen Quicksand? Uh, I've heard Quicksand. I've never seen him. So Sergio, the bass player in, in Quicksand, I saw them at, uh, what was it, uh, La Luna, the old La Luna in Portland. Uh, yeah. And, like, not only was... Not only is he a super active, like, really kind of aggressive bass player, he's... He, like performs that way too. Right. He was the most animated person on stage. Yeah. He was actually the person that everyone was looking at the entire time. And I was like, this is this is actually really fucking cool because you never fucking see that. Like, it's plea, true. right? You know, the guys that are like really kind of the cornerstones of their band. But how many of those are there? Like that you can think of? Like, it's so it takes a minute, many. and then people go, "Hey, he's playing the bass. What the fuck? I've been watching him all time." Right. Anybody like, that listens to Rodgers Peppers goes, "Okay, so Flea's in this band." And any one of a number of guitarists, and also these other guys. Yeah. Um, well, you touched you know. on you touched on two, you know, that were a huge influence on me, and and uh, you know, I per uh, self proclaimed uh, Primus fanatic yeah. mm -hmm. um, in the early nineties, and they with were they they were playing, you know, every weekend, and I didn't miss a show. Yeah. Um, so you know, I wound up seeing them, you know, over sixty times just because you they know. They bury a band. They were a Bay Area yeah, band, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing oh, yeah. them a lot in the Bay Area. Yeah. And, and yeah. I saw them in watch. West Virginia in front of 20,000 people <laughs> at the 1994 Lollapalooza because there's no place to play in D.C. <laughs> so they, everyone would play out in the middle of these, you know, just dirt parking lots in the middle of nowhere whenever anything like that came yeah. through. And they, were, and they were the fucking headliner that year. And I, I can't even tell you who else was on that tour because by the time they got on stage... They fucking blew the entire lineup mm -hmm. off the stage. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see. They were at the height of their powers, like those, like pork soda. Like, right. right, right then when they were oh, just. When I saw them, they were murdering it. They were playing movie theaters to you know, seventy people. Right, mm -hmm. and it was, you know, well, it's kind of weird if you think. I mean, it's not for the main. You know, it had to grow. I think. Oh yeah, I think you've that... got like a Zappa lineage guitarist. Exactly. You've got. Yep. A super techie, weird drummer, and then fucking Les Claypool. And yeah. it was Jerry was a race car driver. I mean, they had that was the big that was it. The, that was the big one for them. Yeah. And they, you know, they had a live record before that, and uh, and that first Frizzle Fry record, mm -hmm. and um, you know, 
I, you know, was um, playing. I was going to get kicked out of my band, mm -hmm. uh, and we were practicing in my house. I mean, I could feel it, and um, uh, and I was like, you know, I just uh, and I was really into Flea and really into and into Less and and um, so I'm like, if I don't do something, I'm going to get kicked out of my own band, um, and so. <laughs> Uh, I figured that I would learn how to try to play like Flea, and I stayed up all night and mm -hmm. I taught myself how to slap and pop. And yeah. uh, the next, you know, rehearsal, I could feel the tension. The guys they were like about to say it, and uh, I'm like, "Hey, I got this, you know, riff." Or they're like, oh, "Okay, you know," and I just whip out this super funky thing, and uh, just seeing that I can remember so clearly the expression on their faces was just like jaw dropping, like, "Oh, it is fucking on." So. Nice. You know, it was it it, it, uh, it, it definitely. I had a, a, a really big funk uh, period, and uh, I carried that over uh, when I moved up here. And um, it it uh, I don't know if it transferred very well here. I was going to say probably, yeah. probably to lesser effect. Yeah, I can, I can, absolutely. I, I mean, there was you know we had some Bonita Dream had some definitely some uh, funky tunes that I brought to the table, but mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until you know I I sold my super funky bass and right. uh you know and got a thunderbird that shit mm. started really taking off and it kind of just wasn't allowed here at the time it really was there was a lot of room for everyone anything else. played with a pick yeah you know everyone played with and a there pick. was some stuff you know we opened for a band called image um at rock candy and they mm. were they were pretty funky and a lot of funky bands would roll through town soul coughing was really big there i saw them at rock candy that's so yeah. funny because i was just looking at the sign out there and mike dotty just played here the other night yeah, yeah i know yeah. they i wanted to see that he yeah. did they did the ruby room record in, in its entirety great. yeah he's fantastic he's insane i was gonna go to that but i you know what i went to instead i went to uh, seattle symphony and it was this german band old school 20s style orchestra and the <laughs> oh, guy came out hello how are you doing do, 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 do. it was insane <laughs> it was ruined me just got really nervous it, like, it, it was really awesome <laughs> and he told um they did some of the songs in german they did some of them in english but he was really funny and he was really charming i was gonna come to mike dovey though that would have been good but um dude so like you remember day on the green you remember all that shit coming are we up here no, I, I no, I saw uh, all of the day. Well, not, not all of them. I mean, I missed some good ones, but I definitely saw the Monsters of Rock yeah. one. I saw one that was uh, Journey, Triumph, Eddie Money, Brian Adams, and Night Ranger. Ooh. That was a that was a fun that's a day. Whole radio station, right? Seriously, yeah. I mean, and those and that's what those things were. You know, it was uh, yeah. Get your friends, party in the mm -hmm. parking lot, get in there yeah. and and rip Oakland it up. Oakland Coliseum, yeah. Or, yeah, the Cow Palace. Yes. No, was it? At, I don't know if it was at the Cow Palace, but always always Oakland Coliseum, always Oakland Arena. Coliseum, which is crazy. Yeah, outside. And so that was the beginning of it all, really, right there. You know, about to segue into the whole fucking Lollapalooza Sasquatch thing, and absolutely. Like, you know, Coachella and all that and you know that was when I like I don't know if it was because I was younger I was a fanatic I loved all that stuff you know but somewhere along the way I think it veered off and turned into this monster where you're just kind of just like what is this this is crazy it, yeah three days of crazy I don't know whatever <laughs> well there was you know there was a, a, always kind of um you know they had summer jam back then and then there was another one out in uh, Calaveras County uh, California it was called Mountain Air and uh, my dad took me to that um, I think I, I was definitely a, a freshman in high school when he that was 84 mm -hmm. it had the frog jumps there yeah, that's right remember they had yeah. the world famous frog jumps in and uh, we went to this mountain my dad took me to Mountain Air and it was um, the lineup was the cars uh -huh. Huey Lewis and the news uh, Berlin REM and a little-known band who was about to put out their first record and had just put out an EP called Rat. Yeah! And it what was a fucking lineup! It seemed so... Wait, at on, the end. On, was Rat at the end, literally? Rat was the... Uh, opened up the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, say to get the Cars? Huey, Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. Berlin. Berlin. <laughs> R.E.M. and Rat. What was the Berlin That's hit? great. Um, um, oh God. There might have been a couple, but there was the tour one. Was, the tour was Love Life. Um, Riding the Metro of Love, uh, was that Berlin? We, what was like the, like the, the Berlin hit? Um, is it the fucking, uh, yeah, no more words? I guess we're, I, is that, was that Berlin? Oh no, I was thinking of Till Tuesday, kind of. There's that whole, that road. era, that, there's that like, that, you know, kind of mid 80s, like early mid 80s kind of era yeah. of hits where the, oh, there's, three to five bands for every song like unless it's one like like the cars where you're like well of course that's the cars exactly yeah you know or of course that's cindy lopper like whatever right if it's not super distinctive because there was such, it just seems like there was a slew of 
of songs like that it throughout was a, that whole. Yeah, it was. They a, were all part of a movie about wrestling or ice skating. <laughs> they really were. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, there had to be some kind of like vague sports theme. Everything was yeah. soundtrack ready, and oh, you can't God. remember yeah. the name of who the band and was like right now. Yeah, <laughs> like totally. you're just like that it was totally. either Till Tuesday or these three other bands. Well, so. I'd never seen anything like rap before. I mean, yeah. they were all moving in unison. I mean, it was like a Spinal Tap concert, but it was actually real. <laughs> but how awkward to even put them in that lineup. I, I, like, I didn't understand it, but. Man, so boy, you know, uh, when I saw that T-shirt with the rat getting electrocuted over yeah. the mixing board, I fucking bought that thing so fast. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're at school, and people f- were freaking out, you yeah. know? I think, uh, yeah, it was just like, they're like, what the, what, what is that? And um, so that, that was... Uh, well, it's like, remember how dangerous Kiss was? We t- were talking about Kiss last week. Mm-hmm. Remember how dangerous? Like, that was like the band that, like, if you wanted to... Like freak out your parents, oh, yeah. or yeah. like. And you look back on that now. I mean, the music sounds so tame. I had Kiss trading cards before I even knew who Kiss was. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So and for, for absolutely. me, it I think a, I had like it was ACDC. That was the like, like Highway to Hell. You know, was like the, that was the blowing. Oh, yeah. The, the, I was talking about me and Mike talking about yeah. that. And Mike, Mike McCready's the same way. He's like ACDC was what blew my brain up. Marco yeah. Collins, which was a little bit before that, before Kiss. But then it was Kiss for sure. Well, I was definitely into those bands, um, but I, but it didn't occur to me that I could do that or that I wanted to do it. I was just right. a big fan of music. Sure. And, um, and you know, and hanging out with my buddy and, yeah. and uh, causing trouble uh, in, our, in, our, in our little town there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was until, until I, you know, heard Shout of the Devil that I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. oh, I have to apologize, too, because you're right. I think – so he – what was it The Dirt? Is it Dirt? What was that show mm-hmm. called? The yep. movie? The, Dirt, yep. the, the Motley Crue special that was just on, and Dave was saying on Facebook that uh, it should have been done with the puppets from <laughs> – from, uh, what was it, American Jewels? I, I loved the movie, but it almost seemed – It was – a little ridiculous. Yeah, it was a little ridiculous. I I'll said monkeys, it. the smoky. Remember the smoky monkeys that are always dressed up in the like clothes and stuff. That's right. But right. I, I went back after I watched it, and I'm like, Dave's right. It should have been puppets. <laughs> yeah. So Dogs my apology. Yeah. Puppets it's okay. Yeah. It, you know, it kind of was. It was kind of endearing, though. It was kind of. I got a little stoked, and I and I was like, I put on some Molly Crew, and I'm like, these motherfuckers are just historic, just epic. I joked. I haven't seen it yet. I joked with someone who saw it the other day. I was like. It, like they were like they were in the middle. They're like, oh, I'm watching the dirt right now. I'm like, have you gotten to the part where they're pieces of shit? <laughs> yeah. And they were like, oh, that's the whole movie. I, like, like, I, I fucking know. I know that. I think I think what I uh, what I always liked about them, and this goes for a lot of uh, bands from that era, uh-huh. is they were unapologetic. Yeah, they were. You know, and, and, and on Surely. on so many levels, and um, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, the. It was uh, a, a lot. Of it was due to the times, you know. And, and I think um, a lot of bands did that. They just didn't get the publicity that the, the crew got. Absolutely. You know, all bands were throwing TVs out, fucking hotel windows. But when I was, the, when I was Molly a kid, Cruz. I saw that band. I was like, poor Mick Mars. God damn. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. He had to. He had to put up with oh a lot. Oh my god, because he was and, like significantly older than them, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and you could just see every photo, every video. He just looked so fucking depressed. I didn't know about the bone thing till recently, dude. I yeah, you know, I, I knew about it pretty early on. He mm-hmm. he was pretty there he was pretty vocal about it as soon as he got that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And um so, you know, just kind of seeing him I, I always expected like as the years went by to see him like in, in one of those Barbie stands, you know, right. just like right. he's got a thing around him. Yeah, you know, Which would have worked with yeah. the, like the bionic exoskeleton. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hope he doesn't hear this cuz he'll probably want to kick my ass, but um, Well, he's probably going to be wearing one so he can't laugh too hard. You know, he, he's uh yeah, I mean they're they're a great band and certainly influential on a 15 year old kid. Yeah, they were they they blew my mind for sure. And um, you and I have very similar like life changing stories. For me, it was walking up to to the central and hearing and seeing hearing and seeing Chris Cornell and just going, my life just changed. Oh yeah, radically. I was just like, I don't care who's, if I'm cleaning I'm sorry, toilets. Who's, who's Chris Cornell? He's a guy. He's used to do music around here in the <laughs> Seattle area. <laughs> well, you know when I uh, when I got into Benita Dream and we uh, you know played at the Rock Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm standing up there playing, and uh, we're almost done with our set. And uh, I just look out in the audience, and there's these, these piercing blue eyes just staring up at us. And I'm like, "That don't know. That's not. That's not him. That's oh, him. That's him. Yeah. He's yeah. watching me play sure, right yeah. now." Oof. And uh, and you peed a little, I'm I, sure. <laughs> I, I, I think I did pee a little actually, but um, <laughs> as soon as as soon as our drummer song, I I think 
I, I think we train wrecked. So what's the top I think do, we better, do better, do better. Oh my God, tra- do better right now. <laughs> I think we train wrecked a song. But yeah. he, he came backstage and was uh, super cordial, and uh, mm-hmm. that was really nice of him just to stick around and, yeah. and say, you know, great set and all that, and that was that was pretty great. He's pretty mellow. He's a pretty mellow cat. Yeah. You know, I know my, uh, my I call him my brother, he's not really not by blood but he used to date his sister and we used to, we went over the house the Cornell house once and I remember like touching the piano and oh my god because <laughs> I mean we would fanboy out on that fucker like sure. straight up he was like the around here he was a god around the world I'm assuming he was a god there, there, correct, there, you know. there is no other voice there is no other voice I, 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 there's very there are very few dissenting opinions regardless of what kind of angle you come at yeah. you know yeah <clears throat> excuse me but like yeah I mean it's it's even people who aren't big Soundgarden fans are like, I mean, yeah, clearly he's one of the greatest yeah. voices ever in the history of rock and roll. Well, but yes. The absolutely. tortured it's aspect just... of his life, I think, added to that. I mean, people don't like to talk about it right now, but, he, but I mean, if you listen to the stuff, man, it was so dark. It was so tortured. Well, it was I mean, just so look, crazy. Look at, look, look at that entire era. Like It was. I think who, we touched who, on this before. Yeah. yeah who, who made it out? You know, Eddie Vedder. I mean, that's about yeah. it. Like, it was all about heroin and darkness, and Seattle was in a really dark place. But I think that's what created the Seattle that's sound. Also, yeah, you know, that's like, part of when, what created when, it. When guys like us heard Facelift and 10 yeah. and Louder Than Love, we went, whoa, what? Yeah. It's it's not often that you can um, you know point to seasonal affective disorder as starting an actual <laughs> music genre because seriously yeah. I mean yeah. It, yeah. it was you know it yeah. was like it's it's just horrible weather here what are you gonna do yeah. go hang yeah. out on a corner you're gonna go into the basement and make Gotta music with your people so California to... got the Beach Boys right <laughs> yeah we got uh, right. you know Tad. <laughs> which is exactly. awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Tad. So Shout I'm. Uh, this is a, a real quick story about Kiss and Satchel and so forth. I'm sitting there and we're we were smoking some stuff out of a pipe and it wasn't weed and, and um, we were getting high as shit and uh, uh, Corey gets a call from somebody from Satchel and he's talking and he hangs up and he's got this look on his face and I'm like what what's going on and he goes that was so and so from Lollapalooza and they. So what happened? What had happened is they had offered Gene Simmons from Kiss wanted to do a song or two right. with Sunny Day Real Estate, and Sunny Day Real what Estate's the like fuck Kiss. What is that a band or something? And they were like fuck you. So they call Dude, Satchel. They be, call up Court, and he's like, we're gonna play with Gene Simmons at fucking. Like, we just all started, you know. In he must have just been hits. running his finger down the list. There's no <laughs> fucking way. He knew this. It was a, it was a, well, I think it was just a. I mean, they were kind of. Satchel was. He's doing like his these guys hate me. These a, guys hate me. These guys hate me. Okay, I don't know who that is, so maybe they don't hate me. It yeah. was. Uh, I, I think they played Deuce. Yeah, they played so Deuce exactly. Fun. I yeah. was right there on stage. Weird. Right, were you there? I was not there. It was no, go, back, go, go, go back. Go 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 back for a second. Gene Simmons. Fronted Satchel for a couple so songs. So Gene Simmons or or Satchel backed up. Gene Simmons, however you want to. Right. I think, you I wanna, think that's right. what he yeah. said. He might have said, I'm "Oh yeah, sure. they, they played with me." <laughs> so we jumped. I mean, out. yeah, notorious. It yeah, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, but it was amazing to be in a that's room full so of your friends bizarre. that you're just like going to see someone's look on the face, like, "Oh my God, I'm going to play with." And Regan's huge Kiss fan. Like he was, he was insanely a huge Kiss fan. Like you would go into the, um, cause they used to practice like where Mother Love used to practice and so forth. And they had an album rack. Yeah. And like all, it was just Kiss, 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 Kiss. And we'd the, play Kiss there and we'd rock yeah, out. Yeah, Kiss pinball think, machine think, in their practice spot. That's right. The Kiss I think Satchel machine. is the most underrated Seattle band of all time. Yeah. They're, they're up there for sure. Who? Satchel. Oh, geez. Most, yeah. most underrated. Oh, most underrated. A- absolutely. Yeah. So we like, went, exactly. we went and we were really stoked. We all like, we all drove, like drove over there together and you know, it was backstage and that's where I met Gene Simmons and that, that I didn't fanboy out, but I got really nervous had my hair up Gene Simmons style and I was all and he walked out of the camper I was it was wild and, and I just went dad and he like <laughs> he like looked at me and he kept his face and he's like and he kicked you with a dragon I boot. could be your father you know I, uh, admittedly and this, I'm not bragging it's just a fact no let's I, brag that I have, a, I have a really long tongue as well and always thought that I would be perfect <laughs> that I would be per- that. that I would be perfect to play Gene Simmons <laughs> sure. in a biopic yeah. for okay. Kiss just, I have to yeah. agree can Speaking we, of people listening to things, movie producers, Dave Place is ready. That's yeah, right. His dragon boots. I thought it would have been great, Mick Mars too. There but, you go. Uh, but I'm just and because I'm older than those guys. I mean, right. and and uh, and the guy they they got uh, Ramsey Bolton, um, Iwan Rowan, Rowan, I think is his name. Yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. was he was great. He had the best one-liners in the in the movie. Absolutely, my favorite being my back hurts from carrying this band all tour. <laughs> 
that was good. That and really it was kind of in incredible. That wasn't an out front line either. It was kind of in the background. Yeah. He was just yeah. saying that. Which is, which is perfect. Um, <laughs> quick, quick question. Um, so we were talking about we were talking about festivals outside before the show. Oh yeah. Um, and and we've we've kind of talked about it here. Uh, what's your experience like? Uh, you know, what have you know? What kind of ex- festivals have you been involved in? Like, what have you? You know, I I, uh, I I I wish I could say that I uh, you know had an uh, I've only played uh, Timber was uh, the only okay. festival and uh, the people at Artist Home are incredible and that was something that I hope to get to do again yeah. uh, up in Leavenworth. It was uh, you, who was who were you with? I was with Hobo. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We. Um, I'm I'm actually stunned you guys haven't played more festivals. You know, um, that was. Uh, it, it's not a bone of contention with me. It's something that I hoped would have happened. Yeah. Um, I think that um, they, you know, they could re-release that record uh, at any given time again yeah. and play festivals and tour that record. Are we talking yeah. Monolith or which one? We're talking Monolith. Yeah, that's Monolith. actually, I, I, that was kind of my transition to I want to talk about Monolith because yeah. I was just. Well, let's just bust into the whole homosexual thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Jody, yeah. go ahead. How, yeah, so how'd that, yeah, how'd that all come, come about? I was a fan of the band, had seen them mm-hmm. a couple of times, mm-hmm. and um, they were being managed by, um, at the time, uh, my buddy Stefo mm-hmm. uh, Medikitis. And uh, he was managing the band, and I knew him. It's a great name. <laughs> it's, he's Stefo's. Stefo's. Uh, Stefo's a force, uh-huh. and um, he must be. With yeah, him, like. I, I, I love uh, I love that guy. And um, so I went and saw him at West Seattle Fest, and um, they were kind enough to you know let me back there, gave me a wristband, and we just started shooting the shit. And um, were they a three piece? They were a two piece at that two-piece? point. They were two piece. Yeah, right. and. Um, I shortly thereafter asked them if they would play um, an event. I was working for Sleight of Hand, my buddy Trey Bush mm-hmm. uh, owns Sleight of Hand Winery, and they were gonna, he and his buddy um, Mark Ryan from Mark Ryan Winery have a project called um, Underground Wine Project. Mm-hmm. And they were gonna release um, a wine and rent it out the crocodile. And uh, so I'm like, well, you know, I was in fires at the time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it would be awesome to get homosexual to play this. So I reached out to them, and they're like, well, you know, we have a guarantee, but, uh, you know, um, we'll do it. And so Fires opened up for them, and uh, they were able to watch me play. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went and saw them at – I guess I went and saw them after that. And um, I was watching them play, and Matt Vaughn was backstage, and we're watching him, and he looks over at me, and he's all – why aren't you playing with these guys? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm all good question. Yeah. So I brought happen. I brought it up to them, and um, they're like, "Well, you know, um, just hang out, and you know, something might happen." You're a prospect, like I was, like Hell's Angels. I was definitely like, a prospect. Wear <laughs> right. this coat. And then uh, I got the call um, shortly thereafter, and they asked me to, you know, if I wanted to play, and mm-hmm. I said uh, you know I actually spoke with the guys in my band because I was you know the deception had just started and we were you know practicing a lot and uh, I just wanted to make sure I had the time and and uh, that those guys were cool with maybe schedule me scheduling some other so nothing got quit you didn't quit anything no I never I I've never quit a band yeah in my life I've been fired (laughs) but I've never but never never quit was it the first band you were talking about Rage of Eden fired me because of weirdly because of my stage moves Uh uh-huh they're like uh, Uh, fuck Rage of Eden just for the record (laughs) (laughs) that is a that is a really like well this will be worldwide I think the guitar player said something about like boxing moves like I move like a boxer it uh, sounds like a compliment to me. That's when you just I punch thought, him in the face. I, I right thought so too. I'm like, I don't understand what you're Speaking saying. I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not actually choreographing. I'm just, you know, going with what I know. I yeah. think we need to have them on the show and be like, so why are you anti-boxing? <laughs> <laughs> why are you guys mad at boxing? Well, if you mean like heavyweight champ, yeah, okay, yeah, it's yeah, a compliment. Sure. I could take it. We're like Rocky, Ali, who are we talking Ooh. here? Like, because one of I, I, d- yeah. I was definitely Sugar, um, Ray. Sugar like Ray. Bo- I was definitely like a, Sugar Ray. Moves. And moves, yeah. moves like a boxer is just never a, a, an insult. I just I know. Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah, but um, so suffice it to say, you probably took the note and don't move so boxer like. No, I, 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 like, no, I, I that's actually how I warm up. <laughs> still the same. Absolutely, he chases the same a chicken. <laughs> he puts a chicken on the stage. He chases yeah, it around like Rocky. Awesome. Yeah, that's that absolutely. Hilarious. But you know, after they saw me play and asked me to join, um, Jeff Silva, the drummer, uh, he gave me a copy of the CD, and I'll. I'm totally honest here. I I listened to it and I, uh, you know, I practiced through my computer. 
and plug my bass in and I said plugged in my bass and I you know put in the CD mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I'm listening to it and I'm like this sounds like every band I ever fucking loved in high school yeah. right. how on earth right. am I gonna pull this off it's such right. a familiar sound it feels so good dude. yeah amazing. and I I mean the production was incredible and and so um, I'm I had a moment there where I'm like this might be above my no you know, ability mm-hmm. and then that lasted about 20 seconds mm-hmm. until I uh, realized that I'm, you know, I can so this is, <laughs> right. it would be weird for me not to, not to tackle this and for do this. Sure. So right. I practice relentlessly and that's a big part of how I'm able to uh, have a good time on stage is relentless practice yeah. every day. Yeah. I played that record backwards and forwards. And so when it got time to uh, start playing with them, um, I knew all the tracks and uh, we started practicing as a three piece. Which to a band is super impressive, I might add. That when you come in and you got that, they're they were, like, wow. Yeah. And they were actually like, wait a second, how many times does this part go, Dave? I mean, you know, they're, they're, asking, they're, asking, yeah, they're, ask, they're asking me, you know, how many times does it go? Because they had recorded that record like, right. you know, uh, a year previous mm-hmm. uh, to when I started, almost two years. And, and, when, and when was that that you started playing with them? Um, I guess that was a couple years back. So how are they doing this as a two-piece? I mean, how is that working as a two-piece? Like, one of them plays drums and the other one plays guitar. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, Sorry, but he, you know, he's... Uh, Look at all science, too. <laughs> no, Ben, Har- ben Harward is uh, ben Harwood is, um, is uh, a magic man. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and an incredible, incredible musician. Um, and, you know, he is just adept at uh, using the loop pedal, and his voice is incredible. And, you know, oh. they put out two incredible records before that. And um, Monolith, you know, when they recorded it, they uh, he recorded bass on it, and you know, it was just a really. Oh, that's not you playing on Monolith. That's not that's not me. Got it. Okay. And um, and I was about to give you all kinds of compliments about the great bass playing on Monolith. Uh, it's it's incredible, and I, <laughs> you know, and that was part of the reason, you know, why I wanted to, you know, play with the band is because right. I love that yeah. record so much. Yeah. And um, so, but again, it's just like pulling that record off is you know, it's not going to be easy. And, oh, and, and Ben was, you know, had, had been going through some vocal cord issues at the time. And he boldly um, invited Johnny Henningsen to come on board, um, who was uh, the singer for the Hormones mm-hmm. and uh, incredible, incredible vocalist. And nobody. So he handed on, it over. He handed or over the, he... he handed over the live vocal duties to Johnny Henningsen. Wow. And, 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 and at the same time, supporting him vocally as well. You okay, know? okay. Right. So, um, and then uh, Kiefer O'Neill came on, um, friend of Ben's, and he uh, is the textural magic in that band. Uh, all of the cool guitar sound effects and mm-hmm. and stuff uh, rounded it out. And um, as a five piece, I just, you know, there was, they realized there was no way that they were going to make that album happen live without hiring some guns. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just, really really honored to be asked to do that mm-hmm. and wanted to you know really wanted to step up and be um and compliment that band who were already just 10 years or more into the seattle scene selling out uh you know every venue mm-hmm. um that they played uh, and rightly so and rightly so and, and and that's what confuses me a little bit and we can and the power of editing is great dave here so don't worry about it um, sure. you talked about i don't know maybe no future for them like what's well, going on with them well um i mean there's always going to be a homosexual and i whether or not it's a two-piece or a five-piece mm-hmm. uh, you know that kind of it, i am 100 percent there anytime those guys want to get together mm-hmm. and jam want to play a show um you know, I'm just, I'm really a fan of the band and I'm looking forward to seeing w- what happens with them. In so it's a, Melvin's, it's a Melvin's type scenario where there's the two member core. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? Absolutely. And like, Unquestionably, that, I think. Right, but, yeah. and, that will, and that will kind of like, there will be different iterations as time goes on. Well, I mean, uh, yes, there will be. But yeah. if, you know, if anybody's going to step up and play bass, they're, they're going to have to play through me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 he, and he moves like right. a boxer. So. Yeah, that's right. I already got the moves. Yeah, I just got to put the fight. gloves on. So but um, I, you know, I, um, uh, of course, um, would work with those guys at the drop of a hat. Yeah, they're incredible. I was when I see them, and when I, you know, I've seen you a couple times live. I listened to you. I listened listen to the band and so forth. I just see a bigger, broader. What's going on with them? I mean, they should be blowing shit up. I think that band could really be selling some bigger houses. I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of it, it goes to, um, you know, people's lives are different. The, you know, so much goes on behind the scenes of a band, whether or not it's like 
buying a house or mm-hmm. you know there's just a lot of personal stuff it's not yeah. it's not yeah. easy being in a band uh, at our age in this culture there's yeah. so many bands coming out so many good bands yeah. Yeah. and uh, you know maintaining uh, that longevity uh, it's just not easy and you know after you play for a long time it's a different culture too. Um, social media, having yeah. to keep up, you know, your website, all of that, and it's just those two guys. They're they're an LLC. They're a business, yeah. and that yeah. you know that can't be easy. So when you talk about wanting to go out and promote records, well, you know, the money's got to come from somewhere, mm-hmm. and um, in, you know, they're not giving out record contracts, and uh, you know, to you know almost to this genre of rock and roll like they say. like they yeah. used to you know and, and there's yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of tour support it's a way tougher song. um yeah and you what, know. yeah what package tour are you going on what you know what festivals Absolutely. geared really specifically to that like other than like they're they're very niche if riot, you think about it it the is, is kind of niche chicago like it's right which is which is weird for guys our age yeah to think that like heavy rock and roll which like we all mm-hmm. grew up on and all love so much is has become like kind of a boutique kind of thing now. Like, well, that's fucking this weird. is getting fucking sad, man. Well, <laughs> you know, James, 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 James. Well, I blame James. That's uh, sad. Well, you know, as be, you know, because the because it's ever changing and the streaming services and yeah. it's just hard to sell units and that's really what um, what people want to see and it's it, it definitely goes to putting in the work um, yourselves. So. Uh, record labels they don't they don't want to coddle you they want you to go out and and sure. tour relentlessly yourself for a couple of years and so they can see that you, you know you've been playing down uh you know down the west coast uh trying yeah. to go over to europe play a couple of shows over there and we want um, you on the youtube we want you on the exact, facebook and the twitter exactly and how many followers that. do you have yeah. and all that it was always like shit. that to a degree but like back in the day like you know, someone like would see somebody and they'd take a flyer on them. They're like, oh, let's give them yeah, a shot. Yeah, but that let's was the degree of it was a but flyer. Right. Back then, right. it used to now be the fucking manager or the promoter side. That right. used to be their job. You well, know? Now, nowadays, like, it's like, forget it. Like you said, yeah. I mean, if you don't have all the bona fides in place, we've toured, oh, we've done all this touring, we've done, we've got this many followers. Like, that's a big thing now. Like, yeah. Like, A&R guys will ask you, or whatever the version of it is that of that now, like, how many followers do you have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like... That's really that's a qualification to be a band now, like God. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, and it's a shame because yeah, uh, you know shame. if Absolutely. if A&R guys, uh, you know, and you know there was a there was a spotlight here. There was a spotlight in mm-hmm. LA in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a spotlight oh, yeah. on you know East Coast punk, okay. and um, and now that spotlight's bigger. It's broader. much bigger. It's, it's not even a spotlight. It's anymore. not even really. Yes, it's because it's, it's it's the internet. I mean, that's I mean that's like the up the ups and the downsides of, of the internet. Like now it's democratic. Yeah, doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, when I first heard you guys, and we only got a few minutes left, we got to close out real quick. Um, like I was like, fucking homosexual is gonna save rock and roll, but I mean, rock and roll's dying, dude. I I don't want to say that, but I it's changing. What do you think the future is, man? Who's gonna Where's this going to go, man? I mean, it just seems, I don't know. It's so different. Maybe I'm getting older. Maybe I just don't. You know, there's none of this left. This keeps jammed up at night. He's really It sad. does. I want to save really rock sad. and roll, I, I completely disagree with I want to save right. rock and roll. You know, I, I, uh, I honestly think that um, the flame will never go out, and it's up to the, it's, uh, it's basically up to the fans mm-hmm. to really kind of go out and pick this genre up again. And you're, and you're right about, I think, homosexuals, Record Monolith was, you know, one of the greats, and you touched on Satchel earlier, and, um, and just need to find that again. We need absolutely, to find that, what that is. Again. Yeah, and it's up to the fans to go out and support local music, and and if if yeah. that's gonna happen, if they're gonna shine a light again, it's gonna be through the fans, and I think that there is, I, I honestly think that right now, is uh, is a crossroads, and I think that right. people are gonna start, to actually, kind of lift that genre up again i okay. think it's time i needed to hear I, I that agree. i needed I think, to hear I think, that i agree i think we're totally at a crossroads yeah. so holding pattern I, I, I will also say i wouldn't put it entirely on the fans there has been like some real kind of glacial kind of slowdown in terms of what i mean how many how often do i talk about this with like fellow producers or, you know music fans whoever all the time Hey, when was the last time you heard a great new rock band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Well, let alone an album, let alone a whole fucking day. Yeah. And now it's like, 
I, th I can literally count back last year and tell you the five rock bands that I heard that were actually like mm -hmm. worth talking about. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to come out and see uh, somebody kick some serious ass, please I fucking do. Uh, the band that I'm in right now with uh, Regan Hager, the drummer from Malfunction yeah. and Brad. I was going to say, I was already sold. Also, uh, Alex Shumway, who mm -hmm. was the drummer in Green River. I was going to say, he plays, guitar, he plays guitar in this band. <laughs> Oh yeah, and we're, as a principal songwriter, and um, dude, let's plug. When's the show? It, we're opening up for Flipper. Oh what? Yeah, oh, that, at, at El Corazon, yeah. yeah. and, wow. and Derelicts oh, on uh, Saturday, June eighth. Okay, and um, that's we're gonna fucking we're gonna tear What's, that place and, to the ground. And, and tell me the band's the, it's the Deception. The Deception. Yeah, right. that's insane. And so, I'm and are, so you're there. You're still in. So you're in the Deception, but also. Uh, Hobo When I Can. Hobo When You Can. Fires. And then and Fires, Fires, which is uh, fronted by Ty Willman from uh, I, Green I, Apple Quick Step. We, we know him well, and I think really we're having great, him. Yeah, really great, super fun band. Show, yeah. And um, then um, I'm also in uh, another project with Alex Shumway called Exes with Benefits, yeah. uh, which is a female-fronted uh, punk rock band. Even better. In incredible band. Super fun. Got some good stuff going on, man. Yeah. I like all that. Yeah, Can we it's... have all these bands on the show? Yes. That sounds <laughs> well, we have right? Ty and Steve on for sure. Then we, we, get we would all uh, love to be. This is been incredible you guys are incredible yeah this is fun Thank man you. this is yeah. super fun man we've been on with dave place right here on t-bomb that's right this business of music and then this has been a super fun show dave thanks so much and um we're gonna we're gonna hit you up because you're gonna be a wellspring of information for us as far as getting other guests anytime on you guys want to have me on yeah or, or if uh you know if i'm working with somebody that i think would be uh yeah. Fun to have on it, and I know yeah, a bunch absolutely. of them. Well, just to keep up, like with with what your other band's projects are doing, man, that's awesome. And um, um that flipper show will be insane. It will be insane. That June eighth will be rad. Oh, yeah, It'll be good to see Regan. I haven't seen him in a hundred years. Yeah. And, uh, thanks our thank our listeners. Everybody want to plug anything? Jody B, thank you so much. I I the only thing I want to plug is I wish you would stop calling me Jody B. Jody B. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of, I always think what is I saying? It's like sounds like that. Like, All right, like it's not like a '90s R&B singer. It's official. I'm it. changing it to just Jody. Just Jody is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You're my match. All right, we're out of here. Thanks, Thanks guys. Peace. That was fun. Oh, that was a lot different than two and a half hours. That was great, guys. That was, that was fun, perfect. dude. It'll be awesome. good. We'll no, no, I've been up in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>